Thanks, guys. Um, so today, I'm, it's a little bit of a sad day. Every time we get to the end of a book, sometimes I'm kind of like, wow, you know, I really enjoyed this. This one was fast, and we went through it. This is going to be the last week on the book of Ecclesiastes. It's going to be chapters 10 through 12, and it kind of wraps the whole thing up. And since it's the last week, I do want to kind of do just a little recap just so we know where to file this stuff in our brain because this won't be the last time we need to read it. You need to, we need to know our Bible and stuff like that. So just quick notes. Ecclesiastes is found in a group of Old Testament books we call the wisdom literature. This includes these poems and wisdom sayings. You know, it's traditionally understood to be written by Solomon, King Solomon, who's David's son, who, if you remember, when God comes to him and says, hey, what do you want? And he's like, I would really like some wisdom to rule the kingdom with. And God's like, awesome. I will give that to you, but I'll also make you rich in stuff because you didn't ask just for money, you know. And the, there's this... Uh, and, his, and, and Solomon builds the temple, and, you know, that's the whole, you remember all these stories. And uh, there was a rabbinic tradition that, because uh, Solomon is credited with these books, uh, there's a rabbinic tradition that, that as a young man, he wrote Song of Solomon, which you can read, and that's a young man's book. And then the book of Proverbs was his kind of midlife book, which would be me. And then as an old man, his, his tradition is that he wrote Ecclesiastes. So it's kind of like after living through everything, what do you think, you know? And uh, the main point of this whole book is that a person, any person, you, me, can only find our meaning in God and not in earthly possessions or pleasures, which is the same old thing that we always try to do, and they have been for a long time. And, you, and the phrase meaningless appears in this book a lot. And as we talked about before, this is actually a, a Hebrew word, havel, and it really means something like vapor or smoke. And meaningless is also a good because it's it's kind of saying that it's just here and gone you know it's not something you would find a lot of meaning in or stability in or anything like that and so it's going to come up in this these chapters this this week and i want to make sure we have that in our mind it's not a good place to find meaning you know this the whole thing has been about meaning finding meaning in life like what is my life all about what am i living for what am i doing here this book is kind of addressing all of that by a guy who had everything, did everything, and was wiser than everybody else. And he's looking back going, oh, it's all about God, which kind of sounds like a Sunday school answer, but it's the right answer too. So he kind of covers all the bases. So, and last week, the chapters Kevin was on, he talked a lot about control and the things like we like to have control over things, or at least what I would say, I mean, I don't know if we all learned this during COVID or not. We like to pretend like we have control over everything, and then we realize we don't really fast, you know, when like a hurricane shows up or there's a pandemic or something, you know what I mean? And so Kevin's chapter has covered a whole lot of the things we can't control, because like what can we really control anyway, you know? And they ended with these verses, chapter 19, 17, and 18. It says, the quiet words of the wise are more to be heeded than the shouts of a ruler of fools. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. But one sinner destroys much good. And it's kind of ending on this wisdom over foolishness, which is kind of obvious, but also the idea that just a little bit of bad things can ruin a lot of good things. And that moves right, us into, right into chapter 10. And what we're going to do is what we did um, a couple weeks ago, where I just kind of read it, offer some commentary as we go along, and then there's a couple point, personal points I want to share at the end that kind of just drove this whole thing home to me. Um, and I hope it has to you as well. Um, has anyone enjoyed going through this? Has, it been, has anyone been surprised to enjoy it? Is that, is that a fair question to ask? Okay, a couple people. Okay. This usually is looked at as a downer book. Um, chapter 10, verse 1. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, 
So a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. That's kind of the same thing. One sinner destroys much good. Dead flies give perfume a bad smell. Doesn't take a lot of bad things to ruin some good things. This is just, he's just making commentary about life. There's going to be a whole lot. This is like two weeks ago. This is just a whole lot of statements back to back to back. They don't necessarily have a whole lot to do with each other, except for the fact that they're just describing what life on this earth is like, okay? Verse 2, the heart of the wise inclines to the right, but the heart of the fool to the left. That means that fools and wise people do different things. This is not making a political point. About, I knew some of y'all were thinking that. He wasn't saying that. Uh, Even as fools walk around the road, they lack sense. They show everyone how stupid they are. And that word is in my Bible, so I'm allowed to say it. They show everyone how stupid they are. If a, ruler angers, if a ruler's anger rises against you, okay, well, the, the, I'll say this on chapter 3, or verse 3, I mean. Um, I think a lot of times we feel the need to expose fools, and I think this can give you confidence. To, you don't need to worry about that. They make themselves known, you know. That should relieve some in our lives. If a, ruler, if a ruler's anger rises against you, do not leave your post. Calmness can lay great offenses to rest. This is an interesting statement. It's saying if like somebody that, that you work under or that like is in charge is upset with you about something or you get, you know, it's like it can seem like a really big deal in the moment. But if you just continue on being faithful, the reality of the severity of it will kind of settle down to what it actually is. And most of the time, a lot of things work out. Like if you react in the moment, you might end up doing or saying bad or stupid things and then you become a fool. So it's just kind of chill. Because <laughs> things, a lot of things just work out. There is an evil I've seen under the sun, the sword of error that arises from a ruler. And th- he's, this is several statements about fools leading. Fools are put in many high positions while rich occupy low ones. I've seen slaves on horseback while princes go on foot like slaves. And this is, seems like unqualified people are bad leaders causing everybody else to suffer. I don't think we need a whole lot of instruction on that. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it, and whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. This is, this is kind of like the first person who does something, or if, if you're the one taking the risk, you, you, you run, when you're the first person to do it, you run an extra risk of extra things happening. You know, Sometimes it's just people misunderstanding you. Like if you're the first person to play a distorted guitar, people are like, that's messed up. And then later they call it rock and roll and make millions of dollars. You see what I'm saying? But somebody had to do it first, and then they're like, wow, that's actually cool, you know. That first guy got bit by snakes. You see what I'm saying? These next ones kind of come the same. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them, and whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. This is similar to the last. It also is like when Peter, Paul, Jesus says to Peter, um, if you live by the sword, you die by the sword. There's something about the way we live our lives um, like, if we take risks in business, we expose ourselves to them as well. And the types of things we do, we expose ourselves to those types of things. And so, um, it's not saying it's certain, but it's definitely more probable the more time you spend around these things. If you do dangerous things often, dangerous things probably will happen to you as well. This continues about work. If the axe is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed but skill will bring success. And if a snake bites before it's charmed, the charmer receives no fee. Now, I'm not all about the snake charming. I don't know all about that, but these are both talking about being skilled in work and also um, keeping things maintained, and you get paid for what you do. You know, like, if, if you don't keep your stuff working, it's going to be harder to get work done. And if you don't do the job, you don't get paid. I mean, these are just kind of 
statements about life. And these next few, few verses are a commentary on fools, all right? Words from the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. We know this. We've all been on Facebook. At the beginning, their words are folly, and at the end, they are wicked madness. That's my Facebook post. Because it starts off in folly and ends in wicked madness. And fools multiply words. No one, <laughs> no one knows what is coming. So who can tell you what else will happen after them? This is, the, this is like an age-old thing. Nobody knows what is coming except for God. This is talking about people. This is talking about the earth. Like, it's like, you know, if you're trying to find meaning on this earth, you know, kind of without God in a way, this is what you got to work with. And nobody knows what's coming. Yet everybody talks like they do. Like most of advertising is some version of this. If you do this, all these great things will happen to you. All of your dreams will come true and all that kind of thing. And um, we all fall for it over and over again. And it's just not true. So we need to be aware of it for our families and ourselves. The toil of fools wearies them. They do not know their way to town. This is just simply talking about that Fools mess things up, and don't be a fool. And this made me think of my old friend, Mr. T, who pitied the fools. And you don't want to be pitied by Mr. T. There was a period of time where I followed Mr. T on Twitter, and he would regularly tweet verses that had fool in it, like Bible verses. I thought that was funny. He didn't ever draw attention to it either. He would just kind of, he would share a verse like that, you know, and then that was it. Like, here's your verse for the day. Anyway. Woe to the land whose king was a servant or child. This is like somebody, again, who's unqualified. And it's not specifically talking about a young person because remember Josiah was a young king in Judah and he did a great thing restoring the temple or, you know, God's word. In the so um, he's talking about an unqualified, rowdy, young ruler. Woe to the land whose king was a servant and whose princes feast in the morning. That's not when you're supposed to feast. They're just wild and wasteful. You know, you think of the... Uh, um, who was the bad lion in The Lion King? Scar. Yeah, he's not young, but you know, this is what he did to everything. Blessed is the land whose king is of noble birth and whose princes eat at a proper time for, the, for strength and not for drunkenness. I think this one speaks for itself. It's just about bad leadership again, ruining things for everybody else. And he doesn't have a whole lot to say about it other than just, I'm sorry if you're going through that. It's not right. Then he talks about our homes. Through laziness, the rafters sag. Because of idle hands, the house leaks. We have to do, and then it's just kind of saying we have to do work to keep things together. Like, just because you, oh, that's my alarm. If you are a youth parent and you have to go pick up your kids, you need to leave now. I don't know if there's anybody here. So, (laughs) that's me being church dad. So, um, yeah, we have to work to keep things together, and there's going to be maintenance, as John and I were talking about yesterday. Things are always a break. <laughs> I was always texting him last night trying to fix my washer. Um, now, this next verse is very interesting to me, and I have to talk about it a little bit because people don't interpret it the same way. Verse 19, a, a feast is made for laughter, wine makes life merry, and money is the answer for everything, <laughs> which in this economy, I'm sure all of us can relate to that last, that last verse, or I could definitely relate when I was talking to John last night, that money seemed like the answer to everything. So what is this chunk of verses about? This is an interesting thing because I read about it, and 
a lot of people, they don't agree at all. Um, one thing that came out was that if you took this as your total life philosophy, like the kind of eat, drink, and be merry, everything's going to be, it's like this is, this is kind of what fools would think and would do. And you end up um, just partying and pretending like nothing's a big deal, and then you run out of money and you just, you've wasted your whole life. So, it, so that's kind of one way you could take it, that this is just saying this is the kind of stuff these people think. Um, I, I tend to think that that's one, that is fine. That would be, that would be good. But I want to go through each one of these pieces really quick because I think there might be some other things as well to take from this. When he says, a feast is made for laughter, I think this ties into me to back into the, the times and the places verses. You remember way at the beginning of Ecclesiastes 2, like there's a time and a place for things. Like there's a right time to... And you remember when Jesus' disciples, they were like, or when they asked Jesus, the guys were like, why aren't your disciples fasting like the rest of us? He's like, well, the bridegroom's with them right now. And they'll fast later. Like there's a time for them. To, they should be feasting now. And, you know, they'll, they'll fast later. And then... And, there's a time for things, and then there's not a time for things. And I think that this is kind of, like, there are times to feast. There are times to have a good time. Because, I don't know if you've been around church people a lot, sometimes people go, oh, you're, you're having a good time. You know, there kind of tends to be this religious spirit that can happen where everybody's, like, down on everything. I think there is a time for this. This next verse, wine makes life merry, is not saying, go be drunk everywhere. Because literally, two verses before, it was talking bad about drunkenness. And then just in case, because this is the kind of thing that like, we get into about like alcohol, for example. It's like, okay, good, so I can get drunk, right? And it's like, no, like read Galatians. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord. This is a pretty bad list. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness orgies, and the like, in case I didn't list it, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's like, whoa, okay. Now we're like, let's probably not do that, right? And then you also have to look in the Bible where, what is Jesus' first miracle? He converts water into wine at a wedding. So we're kind of stuck in this, but it would be really easy to just go like, this is always bad all the time. Or like, do whatever you want, who cares? It's not like that, though. Like, I think this is kind of in the same sort of way saying, just like there's a time for feasting and fasting, there can be a time for, not for everyone. I mean, there's, there's things that we just, some of us need to avoid categorically. But when you look at the whole picture of the Bible, it provides kind of a, um, an openness to things like wine, but also extreme warnings, and specifically listing drunkenness as, People who will not inherit the kingdom of God. So anybody who tries to use a verse like this to, <laughs> to justify drunkenness is mi I was missing the point categorically. But if you're also trying to use it like before where I'm going to judge everybody all the time for everything they're doing, it's like it's also it doesn't work that way. It's just like the one before it. You see what I mean? Where like, oh, you're having a good time. Don't you think you should really be feeling bad about this other thing over here? It's like, wow, I mean, calm down. You know, like there's a time and a place, you know. But this one gets out of hand really quick. But then the third part sticks in here, and money is the answer to everything, which we know isn't true because of the other verses that we've read previously weeks. I mean, we just literally talked about how, you know, more money in chapter 5, more money makes more problems. So it's not exactly just better, you know. And uh, even the Beatles say that money can't buy me love. And so this is an obvious, it's not exactly true on face value. 
But what, what, as I was reading about it, what kind of comes to the surface is this, you know, that we need money to live. Like, it's kind of saying, like, you need to have money left. Like, it's a good time. The, the kind of picture of all these together basically says this. There's a time to have a good time, you know? And then there's a time to celebrate things. But you also have to have money to live, like, for the rest of things. So don't get caught up chasing after iPhones or, or these new Apple. I don't even know what that thing is. This has been, the, like, the, this new Apple thing has been, like, the first time in my life where I literally couldn't care less about some sort of ski goggle thing that they're putting out. I'm sure it's awesome, and if you want it, go ahead. But, like, for me personally, I was like, I guess I'm old now because I'm like, I just, I had the, so anyway. Some of you don't even know what that is. Um, but we get caught up in these things that I have to have the newest this and the newest that, or I need a boat, or I need a that. And there's nothing wrong with having, like, again, there's nothing wrong with having a boat. There's nothing wrong with having this, whatever it is. And, uh, <laughs> and the rest, you can have these things. God, God blesses us with things, so even some awesome things. You know, there's this, always this really interesting picture of Jesus because he's confusing. You like to corner him, be like, okay, Jesus was, he was just a super poor guy, and the foxes have holes, and then, you know, but Jesus, is, he doesn't even have a home. Like, Jesus is like a homeless guy, and he was. But then when he dies, there guys, and this is, this is fulfilling prophecy that's in the Old Testament. You know, they're like, you know, the guys that take his clothes because he's dying, they're like, well, we're going to, you know, we should cut this up because it's really nice. But it's like, I don't know, this is really nice, guys. We should just, like, you know, cast lots and see who gets to take it home because it's too nice to cut up. So here's this Jesus guy who's the homeless guy who also has, like, nice clothes. You know, so he's kind of confusing that way. And I like that because you like to kind of put him in a box and think, okay, I can control this. I can make him do what I want and use him against other people. And then he's, like, over here with nice clothes, which is confusing to me, you know. I'm okay with like, well, Jesus, the poor guy, you know, that, that's, that's noble. That's great. And then he's got nice clothes. You, you see what I'm saying? There's a time and a place, but you've got to have it in proper perspective. If you use all your money on silly things, you become what? A fool. We don't want to do that. Verse 20, do not revile the king even in your thoughts or curse the rich in your bedroom because a bird, which used to be the image of Twitter, in the sky... <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but seriously, in our digital age, I mean, like, this is back in the day, but, like, right now, you know, we're so quick to post these stuff on. I mean, like, this guy's saying don't say stuff in your own head or in the, in the, it, don't curse the king in your thoughts and don't say stuff in your bedroom because a bird in the sky may carry your words and a bird in the wing may report what you say. Anything you say can be copy and pasted to somebody else. I tell my kids this all the time. Like, everything you say, you should be saying knowing other people might read it, especially if you text it. <laughs> so, it doesn't take a bird. Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you may receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, in eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon your land. This is just diversify your savings and don't put your eggs in one basket. This is like Dave Ramsey, uh, Clark Howard stuff, you know which I think we all know. This one is interesting. If clouds are full of water, they pour rain on the earth. Whether a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where it falls, there it will lie. What I think this is saying is there's a lot of times in our lives where things just happen. 
because they're the kind they're the kind of things that happen you know like old trees fall down or when clouds fill up with moisture they rain that's what clouds do but we on the receiving end of that often ask why did that happen and i would use today as a perfect example there's a couple that's new to our church and they're coming in and they're planning to get married this afternoon they are getting married here this afternoon but their plan is to get married out in the back meadow area and we were talking yesterday and i was like it's probably going to rain tomorrow so it's, it probably is going to end up being in here but you wake up today and go oh it's raining whatever they wake up today and go why is it raining today you see what i'm saying and especially when we were out there practicing yesterday and it was absolutely beautiful and i was almost like we should just do the wedding now because you know but you know so it's easy to go oh i don't think like that you do when it's your turn when you're like why does this have to happen right now and the answer is because clouds rain it has nothing there's nothing beyond that i think that's what he's trying to say here is don't look for meaning in places where there isn't meaning remember the meaningless a lot of things that just happen are meaningless, you know, including when it rains. Whoever watches the wind will not plant, and whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. There is never a right time, and we have all heard that. You do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in, in a mother's womb, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. This body formed in the womb is talking about when the spirit enters a person. He's like, these are mysteries that aren't understandable. Not even, like, there's not medical. This is beyond that, you know. And he says this back then. It's not like, well, actually, now we know all about chromosomes. And it's like, he's not talking about that. He's talking about, like, the spirit entering into, he's like, and he, and he could still say this right now. He's like, you don't know anything about that, you know. And so you can't understand the work of God, the maker of all things, which is kind of a well-duh, like when you say it like that, you know. It's like, do you think you can understand God, the maker of all things? You'd be like, no, of course not. You know? But the way I tend to think about situations in my life, and maybe you're the same way, is you know, like before, why did it rain today? Or, da, 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 there's got to be, you know, and I'm like, maybe you know, there's this kind of, in the background of all these kind of thoughts is uh, that I could understand this. Because you know? there are other scriptures that talk about God's reasoning. And, and there might be actual answers to some of these things, but they're God answers. They're not, we're not capable of understanding them. In 1 Corinthians one twenty five, it says, The foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Again, it's kind of a well-duh, but it bears repeating. For our own sake of anxiety, we have to trust him because you can't get there on your own. Sow your seed in the morning, and in the evening let your hands not be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. And remember your Creator while you're young. Light is sweet. It pleases the eyes to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for there will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. I mean, everything to come isn't going to you're not going to be able to find meaning in it. He's like, enjoy your life to the best that you can. This echoes all those verses we read before, weeks past. But there's going to be bad parts too. And if you remember Jesus, when he's speaking to his disciples as he's leaving, he's like, those of us that follow him, he promises that you're going to have bad times, even directly as a result of following him. But don't worry, he's overcome the world and he's with us. This next verse 
I really wish I had thought it through because our youth should be here, so I might have to read it next week because this is awesome. I'm just going to read it. You who are young, be happy while you're young and let your hearts give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see. How awesome is that? But <laughs> know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. <laughs> I love that because it's actually true. Like, God's not a killjoy. He wants you to have a good time and everything. He's like, but that doesn't mean sin. It's kind of like what I was talking about earlier. You can't just go, well, there's this verse here, so I guess I can do all this bad stuff. It's like, what Bible do you think you're reading here? Have you seen God burning up people for unholy things? I mean, like, this is serious stuff. He's like, but he's like, but I don't want you, like, you could have a good time, you know? So I wish our youth were here for that, but we may have to recap next week. Hey, y'all missed something. And listen to this. This is a message to our, our youth also. So then banish anxiety from your heart and cast off the troubles of your body, for youth and vigor are meaningless. Again, a vapor. They're going to pass. Our culture right now elevates youthfulness so high that you think you're going to miss something or you're going to lose something or it's going to be taken away or it's, you know... And they're like, it never was anything. It's always just supposed to be a short time. But enjoy it while you have it. It's not bad. In Ecclesiastes 12, this wraps up the whole thing. This is, um, this whole chunk is about passing of life. Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come, and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. When the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because there are few, those looking through the windows grow dim. When the doors to the street are closed and the sound of the grinding fades and people rise up at the sound of the birds, but all their songs grow faint. When the people are afraid of heights, which <laughs> I've started to move into some of that territory already, but and the dangers of the streets, and when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along, and the desire and desire is no longer stirred, and the people go to their eternal home, and mourners go about the streets. Remember him, remember God, before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken before the pitcher is shattered and the spring and the wheel broken at the wall at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to god who gave it meaningless meaningless says the teacher everything is meaningless and then this verse 9 starts with what's called the conclusion of the matter this is the whole thing it's kind of changing voices now in the author. Not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find the right words, and what he wrote was upright and true. The words of the wise are like goads. They are collected sayings like firmly embedded nails given by the one shepherd. That means the goads is like the thing they would guide oxen with. So these are like... and the. Firmly embedded nails means a nail is working, 
you know, Mike can tell you about that. <laughs> we won't firmly embed it now. No, but the, uh, um, so the idea is that these are reliable things, things you can use, things that can guide you. And you need to keep this book in your mind because you might one day go, because we just ran, like even just today, we just ran through like 40 things. And one day something's going to happen. You're going to like, isn't there something in the Bible that says something like, Meh? and Google will help you find. It's like, oh, yeah, it's in Ecclesiastes. And it's been there for thousands of years. And it's still true today as it was then. These are trustworthy. They're reliable. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Or somebody saying, eh, maybe not. That's what the serpent said to, to Eve in the garden. Because God said, hey, it's all good. Just don't eat this. And the serpent's like, did he really say that? You know, you go through something like Ecclesiastes. It's like, did God really say that? You know, the answer is yes. <laughs> And this, this is kind of a message for people, maybe my OCD friends like me. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. Of making many books, there is no end, and much study wearies the body. Again, you have to trust God. You just can't keep reading till you understand it. You know, some of you go like, I don't even know what you're talking about. People like me, this is a, this is a warning. There's no end. You're not going to find the answer. And here's the punchline of the whole thing. Kayla, you can come on up here. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind, to fear God and keep his commandments. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. I'm going to read that again. Now that all has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. And that's the end. And that's both very encouraging and an extremely terrifying way to end a book like that. Because if God is God, and if any of this is true at all, and that's, tr that's true, you know, if you're like, well, I don't really know if I even believe in God. I'm like, well, you have to sort that out. But if you do, if you know that God is who he says he is, this is terrifying and encouraging because it means nobody gets away with anything, which includes everyone, including all the people who have done horrible things to you. God saw that, and God cares about that. That's encouraging. You can forgive people because God is, he, you can hand the matter over to him and trust him with it. That's how you can forgive people in light of receiving the forgiveness from Jesus, you see. It's also terrifying because we probably all have a whole lot of hidden things. I don't know if you picked up on the hidden things, you know. And he's going to bring them out. And much less being afraid of, like, I don't want my laundry in front of other people. It's in front of God. You know, that's way worse. Which means we all need the forgiveness that Jesus offers and the new life he brings in replacement of our sin. And so I don't have any fancy way to close this, and I don't think it needs it, because he's already said everything you need to say. 
I think we all try to find meaning in our lives from everything but God, and it always disappoints us and lets us down. And you think that we would get the memo in this book from thousands of years ago is telling us the same stuff that we see every day. But I also wanted to, there's a couple things that have happened in my life in the last couple of weeks and months that have really made this book, um, has driven the point of this book home to me. Um, in that I'm kind of ADD at times and I don't really like planning things much. Um, it's not a strength of mine. We have to. And a while back when Kevin and I, we started just like, let's just preach through these books of the Bible. And it was really good for me because um, <laughs> we could sit there and go, okay, week one, Romans one. Week two, Romans two. Week three, Romans, you know, you can, you can plan out a whole lot of stuff really quick with that. You know, you still have to do the work, but you used to have a plan, you know. And uh, I... Uh, I found that very non-spiritual. But at the time, I was like, well, we'll just do it for a while and see what happens. And we decided a year ago to go through this book of Ecclesiastes because um, we already had the last year lined up. And I was like, hey, I think we should do this next. And we're like, okay, you know, in a year ago, things were really different in my world. And what's interesting is with all the stuff that happened at IHOP in Kansas City over the last several months, I couldn't imagine a better book to have been going through for me during this, that time than this. Because it shows me that and maybe that didn't affect you much, and that's fine, and maybe bl blessing on you, you know, but for, there was people like me that we had kind of a connection there, um, some of you even more so than me. And to an extent, there was a way I thought the world was or way I thought this thing was. And then it turned out that wasn't the case. And then when I see this, uh, this ending verse, for God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. It's nice to think about that in like really, like, you know, general terms. Or maybe very personal terms, like I should repent of this or that or whatever. But it's hard to see it through, or I didn't think of it in these kind of terms. You know, like there's a point when in the parable of the wheat and the tares, when they're growing up together, and Jesus is like, enough is enough. And we're going to, now we're going to cut it. Like, it's like they'd been there the whole time. Like in this situation and what was going on at, at IHOP and the, a lot of the disappointment that just finding out that the leaders we thought, was, you know, Mike Bickle wasn't the kind of person we thought he was. You know, all these years. He wasn't the kind of person he was, we thought he was, you know? And it was really disturbing because you kind of have faith in people and God's like, enough of that. And it's really an act of his mercy to reveal these kinds of things. But they can be so disruptive. But I felt like God, when you read through this, he's like, you shouldn't have, it's, it's sad. It is something to grieve, but he's like, you never should really think of people that way. Like, you know, that's why I said a couple months ago, we already got a guy. Jesus is our guy, you know? And uh, <laughs> the uh, another thing that happened a couple weeks ago, I shared that Carol's brother, Jeff Bailey, who was a member of our church a couple years ago before he moved back up to Indianapolis or near Indianapolis, he passed away suddenly, just out of nowhere. And some of you know him because he was here as part of our church while we were building the building and everything. And it was unexpected. Nothing really to the story much. It's just he, they, they called
called him one day and he just, you know, and then they had to go in and he was, he had passed away. And it's, it was so sudden and out of nowhere that it really struck me in that moment that, um, how short things can be and how suddenly they can end with no warning. And it felt very meaningless, you know, there was no answer to the, why did this happen? There was no answer to that, you know? And it reminds me, if there are things that you need to go do, go do them. Because you don't know what's going to happen. And we all know this. But take this as some sort of statement from God or something like, take action on these things. Don't wait because you don't know what's coming. If you have people you need to make things right with, pray. And we can help, but go do that. And another thing that happened was a couple weeks ago, I called my mom, we were just talking about things. She was like, oh, yeah, well, that thing that happened with your dad the other day. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she's like, oh, you know, that thing. When you, and I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she's like, oh. And so my, my mom was leaving the house, going to Publix to get something. And she remembered they have this box for their phone that, you know, converts it to the internet. They still have a home phone, like proper baby boomers. And, but it goes through, like, their Comcast box now or something. And she needed to reboot it, and she didn't. And she was driving out of the driveway and thought, oh, the tire people are going to call, and I didn't reboot that box, and we need to get that call, so I better go back in and reboot the box. So she backed back in the driveway and went inside and went into the room to, like, do the box, and she heard this weird sound coming from the other room. Like, it was, like, this horrible <laughs> sound. And she was like, what is going on? And so she went in there, and my dad was just eating something, some granola or something, and it was choking to death, like, choking. And he couldn't do anything about it. Like, he was by himself... And it took both of them together to like Heimlich it out. And then they were like, are you good? Don't eat anything till I get back, you know? And then, you know, I didn't find out about it for several days. And I was like, what happened? You know, and in a way it's kind of not a big deal, but in another, like my dad was joking about it the other, you know, a couple days later with my uncle who's a doctor. And he was like, you know, well, I guess if she hadn't been there, I probably would have passed out and fallen to the ground and it would have dislodged the thing. And he's like, if she hadn't been there, you'd be dead. That's how my family talks, so that might be a little... <laughs> but he's like, you would have fallen over and you would have been dead. And when you think about that, that really could have happened. And I'm not necessarily, like, I don't... It's weird. I'm thankful that my mom hadn't rebooted the Comcast box thing. But she also just randomly thought of it. And I'm not necessarily sure that God had anything to do with that in the sense of like, hey, you know, because if God was involved, he could have been like, hey, your husband's joking, go deal with it. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing, you know. But the, uh, there's such a randomness to that whole thing. And I found out about that like right after I had stood up here and talked about all this meaningless stuff. And it really, it's, it kind of messed, messed my head up, I think, because... Such severe things can happen to us at such unexpected and unmeaningful times. And if we don't have the anchor of Jesus and God in our lives, we don't have anything. And it can all just be gone instantly. And the other thing that really drove this point home to me was having this stomach bug this week. Because as my wife and I were talking, she had it before I did. And there's moments when she's like when you're laying your head where your other end usually goes and you don't care, it's kind of a low point. And uh, it causes you to, uh, to rethink about meaningless and, ha and how, 
how quickly things can change from being great to terrible in just minutes or seconds. Because my life was totally fine, and then everything was focused right here, and it was not, it was bad. I mean, you all know. So it made me appreciate normal things for sure. Really, all of those things did. Recalibration. A, re, a rearrangement of like, what does really matter? And when he says it here, fear God and keep his commandments. Fear God, it doesn't just, it's not just mean like be afraid of him. It means like realize who God is and all of the meaning of that. And as Christian people, we have to turn to Jesus for that, to see that while we were yet sinners, Christ came and died for us. He gave up his life for us. For us. And, and that, that helps us understand everything about who we are. If you remember when we went through Exodus, I quoted the, the Bible scholar, her name's Carmen Joy Imes, and she talked about bearing God's name, like the, the verse, don't take God's name in vain. The take is bearing. Like, don't take his name on yourself. Don't call yourself Christian in vain. And she said, it's important that we get all this stuff right, because in all of this stuff, the bearing his name, that ultimately what we're finding out is we know who we are because we know whose we are. And you can't do it without that. Never going to have enough information or stuff or whatever. We all know this. We've been through these now. I want to conclude by reading this. Because it talks about Jesus as our high priest in Hebrews. Because as Christians, we turn to Jesus because he's, he's our high priest and he's not left us in this broken situation alone. He doesn't, we don't, he doesn't look at our lives and go, this is just meaningless. He's like, I'm going to come in and fix it. And he knows what it's like to be human because God came as a man and walked in this world. So let's stand. I'm going to read this. And then we're going to, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start changing things a little bit at the end. We're going to sing this song, just like short, as kind of a response, okay? Like we'll close by singing this song. And at the end, I'll pray really quick to send everybody out. And then at that time, we're going to have prayer available up front for the prayer team and anybody who needs to spend time praying. So first, we're just going to sing together. Then we'll pray um, afterwards, okay? So this is it, Hebrews 4, 12 through 16. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. All right, let's sing this song together.
Jesus' name.